Welcome, friends, and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Sullivan, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and our team exists to strengthen Georgia Baptist churches in the area of discipleship. We've developed three tools just for you. The Watershed Principle, which identifies the six main ministries of the church that must be healthy to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. The Spark Conference. Last year's conference saw over 33,000 views from 45 different states and 18 countries. This year's conference will premiere on August the 12th with best-selling author Tony Evans, Ben Mandrell, president of Lifeway, and David Kinneman, the president of the Barna Group. We also have learning communities that are set up throughout Georgia, which exist to help you finish the task of leading your family in ministry well. You can see our website to find one near you. Also, every Thursday at 3 p.m., you can catch this broadcast through Facebook, Instagram, or multiple podcast platforms. Now, let's join today's broadcast. Welcome, friends, and I have a fabulous panel today and topic for us to discuss here with Georgia Baptist Discipleship. Joining me is Dr. Steve Parr. He's the executive director of the Gwinnett Baptist Association and former vice president of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Now, he's also a well-known author in two of my favorite books, The Coffee Shop That Changed a Church and Why They Stay, helping parents and church leaders make investments that keep children and teens connected to the church for a lifetime. Uh, just two great resources that have made a huge impact, not just in the, the South here, but, but really across the nation. Now, Steve's also a leading voice in the nation on leadership development, Sunday school groups, ministry, and uh, we'll give him an opportunity at the end to talk about his website so you can get further incredible resources from Steve Parr. Now, Steve's married to Carolyn, and they have three wonderful daughters and so grateful for his ministry and his family. Also, we're going to have Pastor Jay Hackett. He's the pastor at Peachtree Corners here in Georgia. Now, he's been the pastor since 2013, and uh, Jay's also served several years prior to that in student ministry. I think he said 14 years. So just a wealth of knowledge and experience in the trenches, local church leadership. And I would say, <clears throat> Jay, being one of our leading pastors here in the Georgia Baptist right. Convention. Now, Jay's married to Amy, and together they've got two wonderful daughter. So he not just has the pastor ministry, but he's also got that incredible family core dynamic bringing to what we are talking about today. Now, let me give a reminder here. This broadcast is a product of the cooperative program dollars that are at work. So thank you for giving generously to that. And our team wants to give away a pile of resources today. So make sure that you leave a comment below and you'll be entered into that drawing at the end of the broadcast. Matter of fact, things we're going to be giving away are a few of, and in addition to other some things, these are some of Dr. Parr's books that he's written, Sunday School That Really Excels, Sunday School That Really Responds, and Sunday School That Really Works, among other things. So, Steve, man, so good to have you and Jay today. Now, your blog that you wrote was entitled Four Keys to Getting Your Bible Study Groups Back on Track Post-COVID. Right. So just great insight for our leaders. And we're going to be dropping that link if they haven't read that already. It's on our website. So let me just jump straight in here and give you a question. And let's let's work through some of the things that you mentioned in there, because you you talked about a soft launch and a hard launch for getting groups back 
or, or upgrading their group's experience. Take us a little deeper into yeah. what that looks like and, and what a church who has, you know, what if they've already begun gathering groups back? Can they do this emphasis as well to create that momentum going into August? Great question, Scott. And I appreciate it. I'm so glad to be with you guys. Glad to be with Jay, good friend. And uh, so thank you. And thank you for watching this today. And we're recording this. If you're watching it live, of course, uh, you're watching it in April or maybe you're watching a recorded version. But the bottom line is in the spring of 2021, uh, we're one year and a month into the pandemic now depending on how you measure it, really around mid-March is when it began to affect us in the U.S. in terms of we, in many cases, in most cases, closed down in-person gatherings in our churches. And we understand why. Uh, you know, there's some fear, of course, and some, uh, you know, lack of understanding of how this is going to affect us. And so within about four to six weeks, churches slowly began to reopen, but very slowly. But we're at the point now According to LifeWay, research I saw just last week, right now about 75% of our churches are having an in-person uh, experience uh, for worship. And it's about two-thirds for their small groups, but a lot of those are still online, uh, just to be aware of that. So what I'm talking about here is we're now looking post-COVID. Now, Scott, I don't know about you, but when this all hit, I kept thinking, this will all be over in a couple of months, right? Yes. And I kept thinking that and kept thinking that. And so it's just drug on and on and on. But I think now with the vaccines and the therapeutics and us understanding protocols and moving towards herd immunity, that we honestly are seeing light at the end of the tunnel. And even apart from COVID, Scott, I've always proposed that August, when school starts back, is the Baptist New Year. You ever heard that? The Baptist yes, New Year? Yes, absolutely. I agree. And the reason is we, we start new, we reorganize our Sunday school, small groups, whatever you call those. Uh, we promote our kids, our preschoolers, our high schoolers. We promote them up a grade uh, on the adult level. We do some reorganization sometimes. And so for me, Scott, I've always begun that process in the spring of getting ready for August. Well, here we are. So we talk about a hard launch and a soft launch. A hard relaunch is right now planning towards August, getting all of your ducks in a row to have your Sunday school fully back. Now, let me say fully back may not be 100% of what you had pre-COVID. I think you need to plan for 80 to 100%, right in that range. I think if you're 80%, you'll be strong, actually, uh, and you can rebuild from there. I would talk about that if you want to, but... You know, we've always uh, wondered if we could uh, have a chance to, to restart or recreate our Bible study groups, you know, because of some of the struggles. And we'll talk about that more later. This is a great opportunity. But, Scott, I've always in May begun enlistment process for, for August. Now's the time to do that. So that's the hard launch. And we'll dive a little deeper if you want to also on that. But also a soft launch. If you're not meeting in person right now, I would encourage you to begin that process and not wait until August. I know many of you are, not just online, but also some in-person groups. Now, it's gonna be a lot smaller right now. If you had three student classes, middle school, high school, it may just be one. If you had seven adult classes, it may just be three. You know, If you had four children's classes, it may just be two or one. So it's gonna be a smaller, but the soft launch is going ahead and, and getting accustomed to the protocols. Hopefully they'll ease up, but going to get used to those and getting people together. And so many of you have already had that soft relaunch, but now's the time to plan the hard relaunch 
in August when the school year starts back. That's really good, Steve, because what I hear you saying is we can't wait until the moment when we want things to be better to decide to plan for that. Like I've, I've said often that it's okay to fail, but it's not okay to be mediocre. Yes. And when we, when we are looking at knowing that we're coming out of this uh, pandemic and we're, we're, we want to be successful on the backside of this, there's some planning, there's some strategic investment in setting up that we've got to do. Man, really good, especially, you know, because this is the first time I've heard a leader talk about a soft launch. Let's get some things going. Let's figure some things out, what it might look like leading into that hard launch. Just yeah, and On the soft launch, there's really no pressure at all. And on soft launch, we're not even worried about the attendance compared to anything. We're just trying to get the ball rolling, get, get some people back. Uh, and again, some of you have already done that and instituted the in-person, but the, the hard launch, as you said, you can't, not, you can't wait until July to figure this out because you may be having to retrain and re-enlist new leaders and your groups because we're now a year removed perhaps from when you were full steam ahead. And so if you wait until July to start that process, you're going to come up short. So that's, that's why you've got to begin now getting ready for August. Man, that's so good, Steve, because one of the other things that I'm hearing in a lot of our churches are a number of those group leaders that they, they were depending on and may have been heroes in the past. They're not even in the church anymore. Like we've, we've, they're, they're probably in a lot of our churches. There's, it's not just having to, to get our, our leaders back going. It may be a training new leaders who maybe haven't led before. So, man, that's just a great thought. That's a great point in that you may have somebody that's been out and I'm not judging anybody for attending to their health, but, and you may assume they're watching online and they're coming back, but you, you may find out later, no, they've already moved somewhere else. They've taken uh, advantage, so to speak, of this pause to, you know, make another decision and, and, you know, that's where you are. So you've got to know where you stand. So now's the time to begin getting ready for August. Don't wait. Great word. Pastor Jay, let me let me move to you for a second here, because in Steve's blog, we talk about groups and adding groups. And this is the common topic in our tribe. People who, who listen or engaging with us know that we talk about the importance of multiplying groups out. Um, I, I spoke at a church recently and had a, per, a pastor caution me not to talk too much about multiplying or adding groups or splitting groups because his people had had a bad experience in the in the past years ago. So here's my question for you. Can you help us understand, you know, from the a real world in the trenches, pastor, just why adding groups is, is so important for the church and the sustainability of the church? Absolutely, Scott. Thank you so much for uh, having me on today and enjoy being a part of this and excited to see how God's going to use it just to continue to further his church uh, around the globe. We're all in this thing together. And I think we're all just trying to figure it out, you know, one step at a time and uh, realizing that nothing will return to what it was. But uh, we want to use this now as that baseline to move forward and go, OK, what's what are the next steps? How do we how do we do this? And, you know, anytime you talk about launching new groups, there, there's always this feeling of fear inside of some of your people. Um, you know, what's going to happen to my friends? What's going to happen to this group that we've spent so much time with and developed so many intimate relationships with? And just the, the key for me uh, in, in our church and how we continue to lead is just to 
to battle what we're all going to battle is that insider focused mentality, right? If we're not careful, I think the number one thing that we begin to see inside of our small groups is it becomes about us and the key from leadership from the top down, whether it's from the pulpit or whether it's from, you know, whoever's over your discipleship ministry and your, your Sunday schools is constantly reminding people we exist to see people come to know Christ, right? The, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 is, is very clear. He says, go baptize. Well, there's got to be a season in which they're not followers of Christ. We, we've got to be reaching people that are not yet there. And, uh, and our mind has to be, okay, how do we do that? How do we constantly keep other people in mind? How do we keep that in front of them in such a way where they're looking to grow? Um, and so it's that insider focus, I think, is one of the things we got to look at. The second thing is, I think some of us have been churched so long, we mm. forget what it's like to be new in church. And, you know, think about, we've got a couple of our life groups. Our church has been around for about 38 years, and we have several founding members that are still uh, engaged in our church, connected to our church. And so some of our life groups, you know, which is what we call our small groups, have been together for 30 plus years. And so as you watch some of these groups, you know, you, I, I laugh all the time at them because I go in there and they've got pictures on their wall from the lake events they've done, from the trips that they've done, all of those things. And you look around the room and you're like, well, that couple's still here. That couple's still, all these people are still here. And I'm like, how do you think that makes an outsider feel? You know, mm -hmm. when they walk in the room and they already know I'm 20 years behind on every inside joke. I'm 20 years behind on every story. Uh, you know, this is this is difficult for me to break into. And uh, we've got to think, OK, so what's going to make it easy? And so I we look at it to go if we can launch new groups at least every year, that it gives new people the opportunity that are walking into our church to go, you know what? I know that community is a huge part of the church. I think that's been the, the biggest thing missing throughout this pandemic is that community aspect and the church is built on that community. And uh, so as we're looking forward, it's like, all right, if we're launching new groups, if we're starting new things, then we're giving people easy on ramps, uh, you know, at least once a year. And, and Steve, we use your hard launch of August um, just as that natural push for us. We, we do more of a soft launch in January, but our hard push is definitely in August to say, Hey, here's some new groups that are starting. We contact all the new families that have since joined our church that maybe have not gotten plugged in and start pointing them in those directions so that we can see more people getting involved, taking that next step, because we always see connection as a huge part of someone that eventually is going to get sold out to the mission of the church and want to be a part of the solution going forward. Man, that's really good. I'm going to let me double click on something that I heard both of you say here, because Steve mentioned how important it was to think ahead of time. Now, Jay, you mentioned, you know, the soft launch, the hard launch and how you were preparing people. But also you talked about culture because that, mm -hmm. and that's really what this issue comes down to, because this is the first time I just like transparent here. This is the first time in my adult life that I've ever gone to church and, and didn't have to be there. Like I'm, I'm not serving on a staff. I'm serving at a convention now. <clears throat> so this idea of of being in the church and, and people forgetting what it's like to be lost and forgetting what it's like to be a guest who comes into the church. Listen, I, we were in Northwest Louisiana, Barksdale Air Force Base, and I would hear 
every month people come through like it's just hard to kind of break through and i'm like man i don't get that this is the sweetest people i've ever been with i didn't get it i had forgotten what it's like to be lost i'd forgotten what it's like to be a guest so your perspective right here jay is huge for people that are coming into that now so just quickly here how are you battling that specifically with your people? How do you try to, because this is a huge issue across the board, across the nation, across the world. Do you have any thoughts there on how to keep people focused on, on guests that may be coming in? Because we're headed into Easter right now. We are. We are. And, you know, we, we, I think the church has a, a tendency to get them the first time, but we don't keep them. If that makes sense. Um, and so the, the focus as we go in are expect guests, expect guests, expect guests. And anytime we get pushback, um, whether it's from younger or older people that are part of our church, that we just remind them of our vision. Hey, this is why we're here, right? God, God didn't put us here to be a country club. Um, we've got the Atlanta Athletic Club 15 minutes from us. You pay your money. You can go join there, have everything you want. God's called us here to reach this community for Christ, to be a beacon. And that means that everybody can, the four things we say, come as you are, connect with others, be committed to the mission and go change the world. And so Mm, the more we can keep that in front of our people, uh, it's just a reminder of, Hey, I know you you loved the church when it was 20 years ago. I know that you love that, but guess what? The same thing you desired 20 years ago was to reach those 30 year olds with young families it's the same desire today. The difference is you're no longer that 30-year-old. And so I want you to think about your kids. I want you to think about your grandkids. I want you to think about them having a foundation upon which their lives can be built so that when they're in their 70s, man, they're following your footsteps hard, thinking about their you know, kids and their grandkids. And it's just, it's that constant reminder. We, we get pushback all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody likes change and this pandemic is giving every pastor an opportunity to change everything. And, um, you know, so people are going to be coming back and, and coming back into things they're not comfortable with. And unfortunately, everybody right now, Tom Rainer said it best. He said, we're having decision fatigue and opinion fatigue. Right. And, you know, everybody's sharing their opinion. And guess what? They're always going to share their opinion. And so just love them because we are called to pastor and to shepherd. Uh, but I think lovingly continuing to point them back to the vision of here's why we do what we do. Here's why we do what we do. And here's how you're vital to that. You know, we're not moving you out to pasture. Uh, we need you. I love the fact that we're a multi-generational church uh, because I want every age group pouring into the lives of, of our church members and uh, reaching people in our community where they are right now. And it's been a blessing to be able to be a part of something like that. Well, that's solid. And I, I've heard it said this way, Jay, and then I'll, I'll pitch this next one to Steve. Average leaders, because this talks about vision that you're, you're addressing here. Average leaders give people something to work on. Great leaders give people to, something to work for. And that vision, our language leads culture. People create culture, That's right. but language leads culture. So good, Jay. Now, Steve, <clears throat> I made a statement in, in summer of 2020 that this is the greatest opportunity for a ministry reset that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Let me just move that into your court. And do you agree with that? And if so, unpack for leaders um, who have known certain things needed to change, but they've been hesitant to pull the trigger. 
Okay, help us unpack that a little bit. Well, first, broadly speaking, I agree, but let's talk specifically about our small groups uh, and talk about moving towards August. You know, Scott, for those of us as pastors or educators, discipleship leaders who have ever led, we've always run into those walls of don't split my class. We don't want to change rooms. This is our room. This is our space. And that we don't want to do outreach where we want to, you know, love on one another, you know, don't, you know, keep us together. And we always, always had this thought, well, I wish I could just start scratch, just recreate our small groups. This has presented us that opportunity, honestly, uh, because in August, when you relaunch, you can totally re-enlist, reorganize, reset uh, your groups and the way that you do groups. And I think you should take advantage of that, honestly. And it's not a matter of seeking to be innovative, but seeking to be effective. So as you recreate it, it's important, again, to be very principle-driven but as you do recreate it, it may not look like it did last time in terms of size or scope, but there's kind of a contradictory thing here that you got to work on both sides of. One is you've got to organize for who you want to reach, not who actually attends. That's very important. Okay? Oh, that's really good. So, so don't build your structure on who is attending because right now your attendance may be down. Who is it want to reach? Give an example. I've used this illustration many times. You say, we don't have a preschool class or group because we have no preschoolers. Now you've got it backwards. The reason you have no preschoolers, there's no preschool group or no preschool leader. You may say, we don't have a class or group for college-age young adults. We have no college around here. We have no college-age young adults. Well, every community has 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. And you don't start with the group. You start with a leader. And you you build based on who you want to reach. Now, so you, you do do that. But at the same time, don't overbuild. And what I mean by that is, is this. You may have had four student classes, middle school and high school. But if you've only got four attending, you don't need four groups. <laughs> One per room is not going to work. That's going to be awkward. You're probably going to need to back up a little bit. I'm not a fan of consolidating groups. In this case, you may need to meet you know, temporarily and pull those groups together. So it may be fewer groups to start with. But long term, you want to be multiplying and expanding. You don't grow by contraction. I'm just talking about being uh, intellectually honest what we got to do in order to, to launch is uh, based on who you want to reach, but being sure every life stage is represented in your new structure. Those are some general thoughts, Scott. What do you think? Man, I love it. Um, I lo and let me throw in a quote here that I remember from Jim Osterhaus, I believe is his name. He said, trust is gained like a thermostat, but it's lost like a light switch. And, and what we're talking about here, Steve, these changes can be difficult. And I, I think it's important for us to, to talk about that and just throw that in front of people. But let me, um, just based on what you, something you just said there is we're going in there and, and the relational investment and whether you combine groups and, and the idea that we certainly think people ought to multiply, that creates change. But some people would say, I don't want to do that because if, it, if we fail, then we can't, uh, we, we lose you know, that, that relational trust that we have in people. But I got a different take on that, Steve, and I'd love to hear your response to this. My thought is, let's, let's make, take the opportunity for a reset because on the backside of this, we will have gained relational equity with our people because we moved the ball forward 
during this and coming out of it rather than sitting back and being complacent. Do you have any thoughts there? I do. And I'll give you a leadership tip here too, Scott, for everybody listening. When you're making a change or you're introducing something new, if you can use this word, it gives you a lot of grace. If it doesn't go exactly right, use the word pilot. We're going to pilot something new mm. coming up this fall. And by the way, as far as you're concerned, you're, you're, you're going full steam ahead. But when you say that word pilot, it gives you some grace if there is if the ball does drop somewhere, it doesn't go perfectly well. It gives you uh, liberty to readjust even in October and November and say, well, the pilot is just that we're, we're trying. So, so that word may give you a little grace, whereas in your mind, you're going forward. The word pilot gives some grace for your followers. Does that, does that make sense? It does. It does. Man, I love that. And if I had a microphone, I would drop it right there because <laughs> that was just so good. Um, let's just be honest, man, it's a fearful time for leaders. And I've also said this, there's never been a more difficult or more strenuous time to be a leader in the local church. So friends, listen, when you, those of you are watching and listening, just understand that we are praying for you and we understand the pressure that you're in and on. And matter of fact, Steve, we've got consultants living in the field to help and resource here. And, and what you're doing, Stephen, and that Metro Gwinnett, Metro Baptist Association, and those leadership tips on your website are absolutely incredible. So let me, let me shift here to Pastor Jay for this final question. Because Jay, Steve writes in the blog about this one thing that can lead groups to thrive. So when you say something like that, my ears perk up. And I just love what he mentioned, the phrase here, equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. So let's talk practical. Let's get down to the nuts and bolts here, Jay. What practical things can a pastor do to implement this crucial piece of advice? Well, you know, for us, the thing that we've looked at is, uh, you know, we've got about 25 different small groups that are currently meeting uh, in our current setup. And as we look at those, we did not want uniformity right? Because each group doesn't have to be exactly the same, but we do want unity. Mm -hmm. And so we needed to set the standard of what we looked for uh, inside of each one of our life groups. And, you know, our groups use different curriculums. Uh, we do approve whatever curriculum is used, but uh, we don't even have like one main curriculum across the board. Ours are very, very varied in that. But what we do is we go back to Acts chapter two right? I mean, go back to where Jesus set it up. What's the church look like? What's supposed to happen? And so as we look at our groups, we train our leaders and we say, we want four things happening inside of your group. Every, every single time that you guys are together, here's what we want. Number one, the message, right? The, the message is crucial to what happens inside of a small group because it says that they were devoted to the apostles teaching. Um, and so we want to make sure that we are rightly dividing the word of truth. And we want to make sure that each one of our leaders are trained to be able to do that. Um, and so we'll have either staff members or elders that uh, from time to time bounce around to each one of our groups to verify that the word of God is being taught the way that it's supposed to be taught. Uh, the second thing we look for, I'm a Baptist pastor, so I, you know, have to use my little um, M's with everything that I do. So it's message, it's mingle. Is the second part. They devoted themselves to fellowship and that community, that connection. Um, you know, people just realize, and we're at the same age or stage of life, and I'm not in this alone. 
You know, we all have to figure out how do we handle our teenagers? How do we handle our parents? That's what we're really dealing with right now. A lot of people in our church of how do you parent your parents? And, you know, some of those kind of things at the stage of life. And so let's get together, spend time together, actually want to hang out together. The third thing that we look at is ministry. It says that they began to have everything in common. They would sell off, they would take care of. And so for us, the biggest transition with all of our leaders is to say, listen, you're the front line of defense. And so, you know, the things that it's not like a hierarchy, but you are the first phone call. I want the life group to know what's going on in somebody's life before the staff knows about it, because you're so connected with those people. And then as things need to be delegated up, we delegate them up. And so if there's a funeral, if there's, you know, someone that needs to be seen, our our leaders inside the life groups are, are typically the first ones to know. And many times we don't even hear about it until after the fact of how they just loved on people and uh, continue to do that. And then the fourth thing we look for is multiplication. And uh, we, we tell each one of our classes, hey, look, you know, you need to be looking to start new things. And so um, as you're thinking through it, you know, 10 is about our ideal number, 10 to 20 uh, in total in a class, whether that's 10 couples um, or whether that's just 20 people that are in a room. And outside of that, we start developing new leaders inside of the group. That would then, once that group gets uh, a little closer to 30, we launch it with one of the teachers from that group and they start their next group. And uh, so they're constantly thinking through that, looking at how to do that. And, and we keep that in front of our people as often as possible so that they're planning for it, looking forward to it, and, uh, and really excited about seeing some of those things happen. So for us, it's how do we keep this in front of you? How do we help you? How do we resource you? And uh, just let you know that, hey, we're here to do it with you, but uh, we're not here to do it for you. And I think that's the hard part, you know, with the whole equipping of other people. The church for so long has been, that's what we pay you to do. And uh, it's like, no, not technically. According to Ephesians, you pay us to help equip you to, yes. uh, to do the work. Now, that doesn't mean we don't do it with you, but it does mean that, you know, you're doing it. So. That's right. Man, golly, Jay, that's so good. That is so well said because you, we do hear that. Let's just be honest. Hey, I hired you to lead people to Jesus. Right. I heard, you know, that's why we have a staff. But man, mm-hmm. that is so unbiblical. And it's it's so tiring. And, and those pastors who buy into that, man, what I am seeing now from a convention standpoint are those are the ones who are beginning to fade and they're, they're so tired they're wanting to give up and there's just no reason to do all the work yourself. It's not biblical and it's not no. healthy. No, I had a, a seminary professor, Gene Tyre, who was the pastor at first Baptist Noonan for years back when I was at new Orleans and uh, Dr. Tyre looked at us one day and he said, gentlemen, I want to give you a life lesson that will last you forever. If you'll take it and listen to it. Mm. He said, Christ died for the church. You don't have to. Ooh. Somebody and I was like, Wow. <laughs> Christ died for the church. You don't have to. And he said, right now, you may not understand that, but he said, as you go through ministry, you surely will. And that has been a huge statement in my life personally, and just a great reminder as uh, we've walked through just some of the challenges and some of the things that have been in front of us as a church. So good. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate you, buddy. Steve, let me kick it back to you for a final remark here and tell us about your website because I have been there and there are incredible resources and leadership nuggets that can help our viewers and listeners. Yeah, one of the things about the time of the pandemic is we people have grown accustomed now to more online interaction like we're doing right now. So in terms of equipping, the door's wide open in terms of your leaders 
and I hope to be one of those resources for you. Now, I do serve as the uh, director of the Gwinnett Metro Baptist Network. So our association of 140 churches, I love that. So for last year, my focus has been there. But I do have a site called stevepar.net and just relaunched. And the reason I'm pointing you there, if you're listening, there's over 100 articles on leadership and especially related to church leadership, uh, small group leadership. Of course, my uh, material on what keeps your kids connected to church to your adult life, including a, a video series for parents that is absolutely free. So there's a ton of things there. Please go visit stevepar.net. And let me continue to pour into you and uh, your leaders. Love to do that through that website. So great. Dr. Steve Parr, my friend, a mentor. Uh, you, have, you have poured into my life, invested in me. Thank you for what you've done in my life, but also being on this broadcast. And Pastor Jay Hackett at Peachtree Corners Baptist Church. Man, we love what you're doing. We love the strategic focus and the energy that you're bringing, not just to your church, but to that area. So thank you, gentlemen, for coming on today. And Mike Taylor is our producer. Mike, thanks for coming on. I affectionately call him Tiny because he's six foot nine, many, many pounds, and that sucker is a beast at getting us in online and doing these production elements so well. Mike, we love you, buddy. Thank you for doing that. And remember, if you are listening, make sure to leave a comment because we are doing our weekly drawing for free resources. And if this is helpful for you in any way, make sure that you share the link to help us maximize gospel impact. And I want to thank you for those of you who are engaging with us this week to help us because our focus is to help you to resource you and inspire you to make world impacting disciple makers. Thanks for listening to Georgia Baptist Discipleship Podcast. And we want to give you a gift. The five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world impacting disciple makers. You can get this by going to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. That's ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. This five page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist that may surprise you. It will help you learn why programs are killing your discipleship the number one default worker strategy that keeps churches from empowering their ministries. Learn the OGV factor and how it can revolutionize discipleship, attendance, and evangelism in your church. Again, go to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleshipshifts.com. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptist to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And by the way, if you found this content helpful, we sure hope you'll share it with a friend. And thanks so much for partnering with us to make world impacting disciple makers.